You know, I want to do something to start this service. It's a little different. I've talked to so many people this last month or two that uh, this is just such a difficult Christmas for them because of uh, maybe a, a marriage that's ended this year or something like that. It's just, and it's, just, it's just hard to go through this season. And sometimes I get so focused on that and we don't acknowledge when the positive happens and the good things happen. And I, I'd like, where, where's Pat and Hirsch? Where are you guys? There you go. Would you guys stand up? They're celebrating this week their 50th year of, 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 of marriage. Yeah. I'd like to just have a word of prayer for you guys. Um, and then uh, and just pray for the rest of the marriages at Cornerstone that we could follow that example and just stand firm. Let's, let's pray. God, thank you so much for Pat and Hirsch. Just uh, their... Uh, their commitment to each other, God, even through the most difficult times in life, that these two have hung tight, Lord, and, uh, and shown a love, Lord, that's in your word, where you ask us to be committed to one another and care for one another and love each other, especially in the marriage relationship. And God, I just pray that they would serve as an example to the others who are struggling. And uh, God, that just that we can show your love to the world by our forgiveness of one another and living together in peace. Thank you, God. And I pray for the rest of the years of marriage um, that you would continue to bless them and their family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's, uh, it was awesome for me to see the kids up here singing. It's just good to hear these kids worshiping God and singing to God. That's something we've been stressing over there as they've been rehearsing, is you're actually singing to God and to think about Him. And it was, it was just cool to see them worshiping Christmas time because I, I was at my daughter's school on Thursday watching their musical. And, uh, you know, it was her first one. She had a little speaking part. And it was weird. I mean, she was totally the cutest one up there. And, um, <laughs> no, really. And, uh, and, uh, it was it was just so cool, you know, and having fun, you know, just just watching her sing and stuff like that. But uh, what bugged me about that that musical, though, was okay, I understand it's a public school, so you're not going to have a worship service there, and they didn't sing any songs about Jesus, and that you know, I was like, okay, I understand that. But their last song that they sang, they sang, "We wish you a happy holiday." And I thought. Man, okay, it's one thing to not sing about Jesus, but to change a song and to take Christmas out. We can't even say we wish you a Merry Christmas because it has the word Christ in it. And I just thought, man, how rude, how annoying that was. It's like, what are you going to sing next? Away in a Macy's? You know, I mean, it's one thing. It's one thing to not sing a song about Christ, but to take a song. like It's a simple one. I mean, that's nothing. Say we wish you a Merry Christmas, but it has Christ in it. And, and as I thought, you know, as much as it annoyed me, for a moment there, though, I thought to myself, you know what? Put yourself in God's shoes for a second. Okay? I thought about how I felt about that, and I thought, well, what if I were God? I mean, think about this. Just, just try for a moment. Picture yourself, you being in God's shoes. The creator of this world... You send your son down on this earth to become a human being. And you watch as he suffers and dies for all of mankind. And you're watching as he's suffering on that cross for the world. He's dying for our sins. And you watch this world as they take that one time of year to celebrate, to remember the birth of Christ. And they refuse to even say his name. They won't even say Christmas because it has Christ in it. 
What would you feel if you were God? Just to take myself out of just my shoes with my annoyance and I just think how God must look at this world and this Christian nation here on this earth and how we must feel. And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, there's nothing I can do about that. I mean, I speak up about it. I do what I can do. But ultimately, there's nothing I can do to change the world like that. But what are we going to do? You know, that's the issue. It's okay, yeah, yeah, that's the way the world's going to be, but how are we going to act during this time of year? Because it's so easy for me to get critical about what other people are doing, and the issue is, you know what, one day I'm going to stand before God. The issue is, how am I worshiping God this season? It's so easy to complain and go, you know, it's so commercialized, everyone's doing that. Well, am I getting trapped in that? Or am I taking time personally every day to come before Almighty God and say, God, you know what? I am still blown away by your son. I am still amazed by him, and I will worship you for that. I will remember what the season is all about. Just remember your son. I I was reading uh, yesterday, just in my time alone with God, uh, I was reading in uh, in 2 Corinthians, and in chapter 5 it says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And as a reminder to me that, you know what, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And I'm not going to be able to come before God and say, God, you know what, but no one else was worshiping you. And, you know, everyone else was so busy and I, I was bugged by it. The issue is, did you worship me? How was your attitude and how are we as a church going to respond? I mean, are we going to say, you know what, it doesn't matter what the rest of the world is doing. We have come to worship God. We recognize and we recognize His Son and we will give Him all the glory. And we refuse to get caught up in everything else. See, it's a decision that each of us makes as an individual. What are we going to do this Christmas season? Are we going to stay focused on what it's about? Are we going to worship Jesus Christ? It's funny, during that musical, when, uh, when my daughter was singing, they were singing this song about Santa Claus, that must be Santa, Santa Claus. And the whole time they're singing, she's looking at me going, must be Santa. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's my girl. You know, and... Uh, and she comes home from school that day, you know, later on in the day. I go, hey, honey, did you have fun? That was so cool seeing you sing. And she goes, yeah, but dad, when all the kids were singing must be Santa, Santa Claus, I was singing must not be Santa because he's not real. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well, you go, let's go get some ice cream. You know, that, that's my girl. She just isn't a follower. She's going to do her own thing. And uh, I don't know where she gets that from. You know, but that was an example to me. It was just, you know what? This girl's just saying, it doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. I'm going to sing what I want to sing. I'm going to do what I want to do. And that's, I guess that's what I'm trying to say this morning is, you know, we can get frustrated with how the rest of the world treats Christmas, but the issue is, what are you doing with it? Am I personally worshiping Jesus Christ during the season? Or am I getting caught up in what everyone else is doing? Or am I getting so bothered by what everyone else is doing that I forget to worship God myself? Because I, I, I've been um, I've been praying for the church this week, and uh, my prayer has been that God would make this Christmas the most meaningful Christmas of your life. I just prayed. I said for everyone that shows up this morning, everyone that shows up Christmas Eve, God, would you just make this year special? My prayer has been that you would have such a passion when you worship God this Christmas 
that your focus, your mindset, this year above all other years, is that you as an individual would not get caught up in all the other trappings of Christmas, but that you would remember Jesus Christ. That you would remember just how amazing it was that God came down and became one of us. And that you stayed focused on the important things this season. And that's why we were doing the series on the story of, of Christmas. And how last week we, we talked about the prophecy because I wanted you to be sure of what you sang about and what you prayed, who you prayed to. I want you to be sure of this Christmas story. So we went through all the prophecies so there'd be no doubt in your mind that Jesus Christ really was the Son of God. And this week, as we continue in the Christmas story, my, my goal today is not to prove to you that it really happened. But this morning, I want us just to listen to it and just marvel at it. Just be blown away by it all over again. You see, I'm about to read the, the angel's announcement to Mary, you know, in Luke 1. But, but here's the thing, is you guys hear the story every year and several times a year. And it's so easy for us just to kind of hear it, have it go in one ear and out the other. And it's just like, okay, yeah, I know, the angel comes. Because let's not do that. What I'd like you to do as I read this story, would you listen to it as though you've never heard of it before? Pretend you have never heard the Christmas story. Maybe even put yourself in the shoes of those people back then who didn't understand this idea of God coming down to the earth. As I read from Luke 1, please listen to this story like you've never heard it before. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. It's a pretty amazing story. You've got this young woman who loves God, fears God. And one day, an angel appears to her. What would that feel like? To have a being appear to you like nothing else on earth. And then begin to speak to you. Just the fear of the unknown. I mean, that's why the angel says, don't be afraid. Then the angel says to her, you're going to give birth to a child. And this woman's saying, how can I give birth to a child? I'm a virgin. And this angel says to her, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. 
God Himself, Almighty, is going to overshadow you and you are going to give birth to a Son and you're going to name Him Jesus. And He will be called the Son of God. You are going to give birth to the Son of God. He's going to come down to this earth through you. Gosh, what would that feel like? The thought that, so I'm going to give birth to this child that is God? The very Son of God. It's an amazing story. Sometimes we forget just how amazing that is that God would come down in that form. The Bible says in John 1.1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And it says that through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. Think about that. The Bible says that there was a time when all there was was God. Okay, try to picture this. I know it's deep. But think about this. There was a time when there was no earth, no heavens, no angels, no people, nothing, just God. In the beginning was the Word. And it was God who decided to create the world. I mean, you and I and this world was just a thought in God's mind. There was just God and He thought to create this world. What if He never thought that thought? You and I wouldn't even exist. You wouldn't even be here. And that God creates a world, creates the human race, creates the angels, creates the heavens, the earth. He creates it all. And then it says in John 1.14 that that God became flesh. He came down and became one of His creation. The Word became flesh and dwelt for a while among us. And we beheld His glory. God became one of us. Do you understand how humbling that is? To step down, to be God, and to step down and say, I will become like one of my creation. I will come down to that little planet that I made and become a human being, become a baby. In fact, Philippians 2 describes it this way. It says, your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made Himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. The Bible says that that Jesus, who being in the very nature God, He was God Himself, He was in the very nature God, deity. It says he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He says he didn't feel like he needed to hold on and exalt himself because he was God. He goes, rather than exalting himself, he humbled himself. And he became a man. But what the Word says here in the NIV, it says that he made himself nothing. The word in the Greek literally is he emptied himself. But here they translate it, he made himself nothing. Okay, what does that mean? He made himself nothing? Now you guys, you and I read that and we go, wait a second, he didn't make himself nothing, he made himself a human being. I mean, is it really that bad being human? It is if you're God. So much so that the Bible says he made himself nothing. Because compared to God, that is nothing. That is totally emptying yourself. 
of everything to become one of us. He humbled himself and became a man. I just, I, I don't think we can totally realize how big of a step down that is. About a month ago, I was, uh, I was leaving for work, and as I was about to head into the garage, I look over in the kitchen, and the cupboard's full of ants. Okay, so I just, I still went into the garage, and I was going to get in my car and pretend I didn't see it, so my wife would have to clean it up, <laughs> which, uh, which you know some of you guys have done. Okay, we all do it. Okay, but as I was getting in my car, I started to feel guilty. I was like, oh man, all those verses about sacrificing for your wife, loving your wife, all right. You know, so I get back out, and I, I go in the house, you know, and I grab, you know, some glass cleaner or whatever. Anything kills them, right? You know, so I'm spraying the stuff all over, you know, wiping all these ants out, you know, and, you know, getting all the little stray ones everywhere and just, just knocking them all out. And it's just such an annoying thing. Aren't they just such an annoyance? They're everywhere. And, and uh, you know, I get back into my car and go on with my day. Now, what if I didn't do that? What if I went back into the house and I saw these ants and I just, I start to pet them and go, aww, I love you guys, you know, and I just start pickling, you know, picking them up and go, you know, I love these little ants. They're so cute. I'm not going to kill them. I know what I'll do. I'll leave my family. I'll leave all that I know about being human and I'll become a little ant so I can lead them to safety out the back door. Okay. I mean, imagine how humiliating that would be if I were to say, you know, I'm going to take a few years out of my life. You know, I'll let the kids go. You know, I'm just, you know, they'll, they'll raise themselves, you know, or at least they'll help them. But, uh, you know, but, you know, I'll leave my family. I'll leave the church. I'll leave everything that's familiar to me as a human being so that I can dwell with the ants for a few years. And what if I come back to you a few years later and go, yeah, you'll never guess what I did. I became an ant for several years. That's where I was. Because I loved them so much, you know, and, and, you know, and, and I went down, I became an ant, but, you, but what the ants did was they rejected me. And they started to beat me. And all these little ants started ganging up on me. They crucified me. And then I come back here and I go, but you guys, I still love those little ants. You'd be like, what? First of all, why in the world did you humble yourself and waste your time with them. And then after they treated you like that, you come back to us and tell me that you still love them? You guys multiply that story by about a thousand and you've got God becoming man and dwelling with us and having us treat Him the way that He did. Then Him going back into heaven and still loving us? Because that's what we celebrate at Christmas. And rather than giving Him the praise of the week that He deserves, we as mankind look up to God and say, Happy Holidays. But we don't even want to say the name of Your Son, Christ. Guys, God became one of us and dwelt among us so that He could communicate to us and share His love with us and ultimately sacrifice for us and that's what we celebrate. And each of us has to make a decision. What am I going to do this Christmas? Am I going to acknowledge God and worship Him even if everyone else refuses to? Or are we going to ignore Him this year? It was such an incredible sacrifice to become one of us. 
I think a lot of times we forget that because we forget what it's like to be God or we don't understand what it's like to be God. And that's why I put that passage from Isaiah 6 in your outline. Because it's, it's, it's a picture of what God is like. And I want to remind you, and a lot of you are familiar with this passage, but I just want to remind you again what it's like in heaven and what God left to become one of us. Because maybe if we had a picture of who He was, then we could understand how humiliating it was for Him to become like us. See, Isaiah in chapter 6 got to see God, and that's something that no one in this room can say. No one can come up here and say, hey, you guys, I saw God. This is what I saw. Isaiah, see, every once in a while in Scripture, God allows a human being to get a glimpse of him. And here in Isaiah 6, that's what we have. Isaiah got to come into the presence of God. In Isaiah 6, verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Isaiah says, you know, in the year that King Uzziah, who was the earthly king, in the year that he died, he goes, I got to see the real king. I saw the Lord, and he was seated on, not like a little earthly throne, he says, but a lofty, exalted throne. He says, in fact, he was so huge that he says that the train of his robe filled up the entire temple. I want you to think for a moment, what would it feel like if that were you? And you saw a being on a throne that was so huge that his robe filled up the entire temple. What would it feel like to walk into the presence of a God like that? He goes on in verse 2. And he says, above him were seraphs. These were the high angels. Each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. Okay, so you see God on His throne. Then you see these high angels. And it says they were, they were taking their wings to cover their faces. And they took wings to cover their feet. So basically, they're covered from head to toe. Why are these high angels covering themselves up before God? See, even these high angels did not feel worthy to be looked upon by God or to look upon Him. Because they're in the presence of God. And it says in verse 3, it says they were calling out to one another. These angels are calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. It says that this angel was screaming out so loud to the other angel, so loud that everything was shaking. And he was screaming, Holy, holy, holy. You understand, the word holy means set apart, distinct. He's different. And this angel was yelling at the other angel, can you believe how holy this God is? Can you believe how different He is? How set apart? How beyond us He is? as they're covering themselves up. Just screaming, there's no one like Him. This being that is before us is so amazing. And He's screaming, holy, holy, holy. He said that He was so loud, everything began to shake. Remember the terror you felt seven, eight years ago when that earthquake hit? Imagine feeling that 
Everything is shaking because the voice of these angels that are covering themselves up, screaming to one another about how amazing this God is, covering themselves up, and you see the God on His throne. You see this whole thing. Because what would you do? If this were you this afternoon, and God says, I'm going to show you my throne room. And you as a human being are taken before this throne. Put yourself in those shoes. What would you do? If you stood there, you see this massive throne, this incredible being, these angels covering themselves up and screaming out His holiness. Everything begins to shake. The whole temple is filling with smoke. And you're staying there. What would you do? I'll show you what Isaiah did. Verse 5. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah sees that scene. And he says, woe to me. He says, I am ruined. And those words in the Hebrew literally mean, I am about to be destroyed. He takes one glance at that God and he realizes I'm in the presence of God and he says, He's going to destroy me. I can just picture Isaiah just falling to his face and going, I'm dead. He's going to kill me. Now, why would Isaiah say that? Why would he say, I'm ruined? He is going to destroy me. He explains, he says, because I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. See, Isaiah understood, look, I'm a sinner. He understood something that some people forget. That God hates sin. He hates every little sin in my life. God can't stand it. He's a holy God. You know, we, we, we make excuses for our sin. We belittle everything. Well, I did that because of this. And, eh, you know, that's not that bad. Well, you guys, God hates sin. He can't stand it. And Isaiah understood that. He's realizing, here's a God who hates sin, and here am I. He goes, I'm a sinner. I'm a man of unclean lips. He goes, and my eyes have just seen the, the king. See, Isaiah understood. He goes, I have no right to be here. I'm in the presence of God, and I'm a sinner. He's like that ant in the kitchen going, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. I'm going to die. That was Isaiah before a holy God. Understand something. Isaiah did not say, Hey God, it's me, Isaiah. I'm a good person. I deserve your blessings. I deserve a healthy family, a nice home. Nothing should go wrong in my life. Because I'm such a good person. I do so many kind things for kind people. If anyone had a right to say that, it would have been Isaiah. He was a prophet of God. I mean, that's the way we talk now to God. Isn't it? Hey, God, I deserve this, 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 and this. Because I am so good. Isaiah says the opposite. He goes, I'm a sinner and I deserve to die. Guys, we, we forget this reverence that we should have toward God. Isaiah didn't say, hey, God, you know what? If you let me live, this is what I'll do for you. He just says, God, I have no right to even be in your presence. Go ahead and kill me. And you guys, the, the awesome thing about this story 
is that God doesn't kill Isaiah. Instead, what he does is he has an angel take this, this coal from, from the altar and he touches Isaiah's lips with it and says, you know what, you said your, your, your lips were sinful? I've just cleansed them. I've just forgiven you for that. And he, he forgives Isaiah. He goes, why did he do that? Why did he forgive Isaiah? I'll tell you why. Because Isaiah humbled himself. He came to a point where he said, you know what? I know I deserve your punishment. I know that I've sinned against you. But it's so simple. Yes, it's simple. But you know what? The majority of the world is unwilling to do that. The majority of the world is unwilling to come before God and say, I know I deserve your punishment. The majority of the world today, the majority of the nation that we live in says, you know what, God? I'm a good person. I deserve heaven because I'm so good. Because of all my good deeds, I know I'll get there. And maybe some of you come in this room today and you think, yeah, you know what? I am a good person. I explain something to you. If that is your attitude, feeling like you don't need God, you don't need forgiveness for your life, then you never will receive forgiveness. Salvation starts, salvation begins when you understand who you are, a sinner in the presence of God. We all are. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But this reverence that Isaiah had for God, I think, is just something that's been lost. We forget who we're talking to. We forget who we're talking about. Man, I have people that have said some of the most arrogant things when they talk about God. People who say to me, you know what? I can't wait till I get to heaven because I've got some questions for God. I don't understand why he did this to me, this to me, this to me. That wasn't, that wasn't fair, that wasn't right, and I'm going to talk to him about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're just going to march up to the throne. Get your 12 wings out of here. I'm going to talk to God. You guys think for a moment who we're speaking about. We, we throw his name around. But imagine what it would genuinely feel like to be in His presence. It would be incredible to come into the presence of God. You guys, the Bible teaches it's that God who humbled Himself. And at some point, you have to believe that, you know what, I am a sinner before that God, but you believe that that God on His throne loved you so much that rather than punishing you, rather than punishing Isaiah, he has his own son come down here and become flesh. Become a little baby for you and I. And he had him nailed to a cross. And he was being punished for my sin. And the Bible says is when I truly believe and accept that sacrifice, believe that he died on the cross and he rose again, that I'm saved. And my sins are forgiven. Have you ever come to that point in your life where you've genuinely come before God and said, God, I do believe that I'm a sinner. I do believe that you love me so much you sent your son to die for me. And I want him to come into my life. If not, I encourage you. Do that today. Do that this morning. 
and understand what Christmas is all about. Come before that God. And you can see that God on His throne. That's not make-believe. That's, that's going on right now. There's a being in heaven upon His throne with angels screaming out His holiness. And yet you can close your eyes, open your eyes, whatever. You can speak to God and tell Him that you believe in Him. And tell Him that you believe that you yourself have offended Him. But you believe that He loved you so much He had His own Son die for you. And ask Him to come into your life and change you and help you become the person He wants you to be. You can pray. You can speak to Him. It's an incredible thought. But I don't want you to lose the mystery of God becoming man. I mean, picture that God on His throne becoming one of us. And remember when we studied... uh, Revelation 4 and 5, and we show that scene in heaven and describe the scene in heaven where it says in chapter 5 that there are a hundred million angels. A hundred million angels. What would that look like? All of them worshiping God. All of them worshiping Jesus. They're in chapter 5 singing praises to the Lamb. Okay, just for a moment, try to picture this. You've got this massive throne. There's God sitting upon it. You've got a hundred million angels surrounding this throne, worshiping this God. You've got the high angels in His presence, covering themselves up, screaming, you're so holy, you're so holy. And here is God sitting on His throne, a hundred million angels, just this choir worshiping Him. Angels covering themselves up, screaming out how great He is. And He leaves that. He leaves the throne and He trades these angels screaming, Holy, Holy, Holy. And He comes down to the earth and becomes a man and He listens to people screaming, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! Do you understand how humiliating that would be? What an incredible sacrifice God made for you and me. And that's what we're supposed to be celebrating right now. That's what the season is about. Don't get so caught up in all the trappings of Christmas that you don't personally come before God and say, God, you know what? I'm amazed. This is a time when I remember you coming down and trading your glory in heaven to come down and die for me. I'm blown away by you. And I've made a decision. I'm going to worship God this Christmas season. I personally am going to come before God and just tell Him how amazed I am by Him. And I'm going to worship Him with all my heart. I'm going to worship Jesus Christ. I love what Joshua says when he says, as, you can do what you want, but as for me and my house, we will, we will serve the Lord. You guys, that's the way. We need to take ownership of our homes. And say, you know what? We're going to remind our kids, our family, what this season is all about. We will worship God. Maybe this morning some of you realize, you know what? You don't even have a relationship with God. And maybe today is the day where you need to ask Jesus into your life so that Christmas will actually mean something to you. I encourage you after service, even if everyone else is leaving, if you need to do some business with God, you need to pray and ask Him into your life, I encourage you to stick around. Up here in the prayer room, there'll be some pastors, some others that'll pray with you. Maybe you're going through a tough time this Christmas. Maybe you need to get some things right in your own life before you worship Him this Christmas, and that's your gift to Him. Then come up and pray with someone today. 
But you guys, at some point in your life, you stop looking around at what everyone else is doing and you just look up at that throne and you say, God, I'm blown away by you and I will worship you and I will live for you. And to close the service today, I'm going to do something pretty awesome. I'm going to speak to God. We're going to come before His throne and just talk to Almighty God. God up in heaven right now with the angels screaming out His holiness is going to listen as we pray to Him. So focus on that God as I speak to Him. God, we are just in awe that we can speak to You right now. That You would hear our voices as the angels are crying out to You. And we too say that You are holy, holy, holy. You are so far beyond us. And we are blown away by You. And God, we recognize what You have done for us. And that's why we have come here today, was to worship You and tell You how incredible You are. And I pray tomorrow when we return to this room, Lord, that our hearts are ready to worship You even more fervently as we give You a gift of our worship and our lives. God, You have been so good to us. And we acknowledge that we believe in Your Son, Jesus Christ. He is everything to us. And we celebrate Him this season. And God, some of us have been Christians for years. But God, once again, we come before You and say we are blown away by Your love all over again. Thank You for Jesus. Thank You for His precious blood that was shed for us. And we pray this all in His precious name. Amen.